Welcome to The Workman's Table, a podcast all about learning and understanding biblical truths with the Great Shepherd's guidance. Here's your host, Eric Carpenter. Hello and welcome once again to another edition of The Workman's Table podcast. As always, I hope this podcast edition finds you well and that you're learning and growing in His grace and mercy, and that every day or as often as you possibly can, that you're studying to show thyself a workman approved unto Elohim. And before we continue today's podcast, uh, I like to give uh, the podcast email address so that you can send any comments or uh, questions or anything you'd like to discuss uh, in future podcasts or anything you could like to discuss about past uh, episodes of this podcast. And the podcast email address is theworkmanstable at gmail.com. That is theworkmanstable at gmail.com. Now, in today's uh, episode, we're going to take a look at the correlation uh, between three verses. Uh, and they are found in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, Matthew 22, 34 through 40, and Matthew 7, 21 through 23. So we're going to get into that. And there's an ingredient that is that shows up uh, that, that kind of shows you what the correlation is between all of these uh, scriptures that we're going to take a look at. And so let's start with Matthew um, 22, 34 through 40. And let's begin this, uh, or excuse me, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 is where we're going to begin. And let's see if we can, uh, it's not a secret ingredient, but it's a main ingredient, and I'm sure you'll be able to pick it up uh, right away uh, after I read a couple of these verses. So let's start with Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And it says as following, Not everyone who says to me, Adonai, 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 shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Adonai, Adonai, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So we know that there are many deeds that you can do in his name that are good deeds. However, you know, you could be told to depart from me. I didn't know you, you, you who practice lawlessness. And that scripture has bothered me over the years. And I've wondered if I have fallen into that category um, or if I'm currently in that category at all because I didn't want to fall in that category having trying to serve him uh, throughout my life and then get to uh, the day of judgment. And then I'm told by the king to depart from me. I didn't know you. I don't want to hear those words from Yahushua's mouth. And so we know it's lawlessness. So obviously the opposite of lawlessness is lawfulness and obeying his commands however how do we obey his commands and we're given an inclination um, you know a pretty specific inclination or a specific um, instruction uh, on how to obey his commands and so let's go to uh, Matthew 22 34 through 40 But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Yahushua said to him, You shall love Yahuwah your Elohim with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law 
and the prophets. Now, there was a word in there that showed up in both of the commandments that he mentions. And I'm going to read them again, and let's see if you can pick up on that key word that is in there. And it, the first one is, you shall love Yahuwah your Elohim with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So as I read that again, if you picked up on the word love, you're a quick learner, and you're picking up on what the correlation is or what the key ingredient or the main ingredient is on how to obey him or keep his commandments. Uh, so it looks as though through Scripture, without love in our hearts and minds, we cannot fulfill his commandments. We need to have love. And so when you look at the Ten Commandments, everything that follows after the first and second commandment is basically how to love him and love your neighbor. So let us look at some examples in Scripture that uh, point to how we love our neighbor and love him, and that's how we are uh, being obedient. We are keeping his commandments, and we're not going to hear those words on the day of judgment that depart from me, I didn't know you, you who practice lawlessness. Let's look at some examples and scripture. I'm only going to provide a few of them uh, here, even though there are many, many examples in scripture of how to love him and love your neighbor. Many, many examples. So let's look at uh, a few of them here. In Exodus, um, no, excuse me, let's look at um, Jasher 22, 11 through 13. I'm going to read that. Jasher 22, 11 through 13. And Abraham planted a large grove in Beersheba, and he made it to four gates facing the four sides of the earth, and he planted a vineyard in it, so that if a traveler came to Abraham, he entered any gate which was in his road, and remained there, and ate and drank, and satisfied himself, and then departed. For the house of Abraham was always open to the sons of, man, sons of men that passed and repassed, which, who came daily to eat and drink in the house of Abraham. And any man who had hunger and came to Abraham's house, Abraham would give him bread that he might eat and drink and be satisfied. And anyone that came naked to his house, he would clothe with garments as he might choose and give him silver and gold and make him known, make known to him Yahuwah who had created him in the earth. This did Abraham all his life. Or it might have been Adonai uh, if you look at the Sefer. So make known to him Adonai who had created him in the earth. This did Abraham all his life. Now, if you kind of, there's a little subtlety there. It was four sides uh, to uh, his vineyard, all facing um, the ends of the earth, or the four sides of the earth, I should say. Four gates facing the four sides of the earth, as it says in Jasher 2211. So there's another uh, description, uh, and it's in Revelation, and it's talking about uh, New Jerusalem. And so the New Jerusalem will have four sides and four gates. And so it's very um, interesting that this grove uh, that Abraham plants kind of mirrors the New Jerusalem and what it really was. It was a haven for rest, a haven for uh, refreshment. It was a haven to be receive, to receive clothing, food, shelter. Uh, care, love, the key ingredient. It was, it was there where people were able to be loved by Abraham, but ultimately and, and overall be loved by Yahuwah himself, the Father. 
So that's one example there. And let's go to 1 Samuel 24, 1 through 19. Uh, and we could take a, a look at that uh, uh, real quick. And I'm going to go there myself. 1 Samuel, okay, and that's 24, 1 through 19. And let's read that. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which Yahuwah said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, Yahuwah forbid that I should do this thing to my master, Yahuwah's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is anointed of Yahuwah. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also arose, went out of the cave, and called out to Saul, saying, My ruler, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that Yahuwah delivered you today into, the hand, into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you. But my eye spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my ruler, for he is Yahuwah's anointed. Moreover, my father, see. Yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. No, and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. Let Yahuwah Judge between you and me, and let Yahuwah avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients say, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? Therefore let Yahuwah be judge, and judge between you and me, and see and plead my case, and deliver me out of your hand. So it was, when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Then he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for I, you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt well with me, for when you had delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safely? Therefore... May Yahuwah reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. So, you look at an example here. Here's uh, David running for his life from King Saul. And here Yahuwah delivers Saul into David's hand. And David had the opportunity to destroy him. And only simply instead cut the corner of his robe because he was... Um, you know, it troubled him, uh, but he realized he should not rise up against you who was anointed. So here was an opportunity to uh, kill Saul. But what does Yahushua say? He says, love your enemy. Does he not? 
Be good to those that spitefully use you. Bless those that persecute you. Pray for those, you know, all those things that he says in Scripture is to love your enemy. Pray for them, bless them, do good to them, like burning hot coals of fire upon their head, uh, so to speak. And so uh, you, you look at the opportunity here to do good to your neighbor and to um, love them instead of hurt them. So that's an example of loving your enemy uh, right there. And then let's go to uh, Stephen's prayer as he is being uh, stoned. Let's go to Acts chapter 7, 55 through 60. Acts chapter 7, 55 through 60. Acts chapter 7, 55 through 60, and it reads as following. But he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of Elohim and Yahushua standing at the right hand of Elohim and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of Elohim. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on Elohim and saying, Adonai, Yahushua, Receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Adonai, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now here's the situation where Stephen is, you know, in the very midst of being stoned by his enemies, being killed by his enemies. And there's a key element there, being full of the Holy Spirit. And as I mentioned that other scripture before in 1 John, um, well, maybe I didn't mention 1 John. Let's, let's go there to 1 John. How do we love Yahuwah? How do we fulfill his commandments? And if you go to 1 John 4.19, it says we love him because he first loved us. So we don't even have the ability to love our enemy or love our neighbor and love him without him first loving us. I mean, he created us, breathed life into us, uh, created this the heavens and the earth and the world in the six days and rested on the seventh, it was an act of love. So we weren't even able to love him until he first loved us. So he teaches us how to love. And so when you look at Acts and him being full of the Holy Spirit, Yahuwah's spirit, Yahushua's spirit dwelled with Stephen and gave him the ability to love because he was loving Stephen. He was loving us. So that's how we're able to love our neighbor. And, of course, Yahushua says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. But if he first loved us, that's the only reason, that's the only way that we're capable of loving him. So that's where we um, are able to love our enemy and love our neighbor. So that's those are a few examples of, of loving our neighbor, loving our enemy, um, and there's others, many others in Scripture that point to that. So we, we look at then the main ingredient in fulfilling his commandments, okay, and obeying his, his statutes and be obedient to his word is love. And Paul really summarizes well what a lack of love does, okay? And let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. And I will key in on 1 through 3. However, we'll look at also up uh, through part or verse 10 um, 
Oh wait, let's let's uh, let's see. Verse eight, I should say. So one through three is the the key, but we'll read through verse eight as well. So let's start with one through three first. And it's in First Corinthians thirteen. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Paul summarizes what we need in order for these to be done, uh, you know, with completeness or fullness and not in vanity. Love. He says, if I don't have love, speaking in tongues is worthless. If I don't have love, having the gift of uh, prophecy is worthless. Having faith without love, even though I could remove mountains, if I have no, uh, if I do not have love, I'm nothing. And if I feed the poor and give my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So there we see that if we uh, allow, if if we have, you know, love for one another, it's because Yahushua loved us first. So we must continue in that love in order for us to be able to fulfill his commands, okay, and to live out his ways and follow in his ways and walk in his ways. If we don't have love, it's all for naught. And then that's when he will say, depart from me. I did not know you, you who practice lawlessness, faithlessness, the breaking of his commands because we did not have love. And that's the only reason why we're able to uh, fulfill his commands is through love. And of course, if you read in the book of Hebrews, it says that Yahushua is the author and perfecter of our faith. Okay? And we read in uh, Proverbs 16.1 that the answer uh, from the lips or from the tongue is from Yahuwah. And that Proverbs 16.9, that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by Yahuwah. So we look at, since he first loved us, that's how we have the ability to do these things. He resides in us. That's why Yahushua said in Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. And if he answers, I will come in and dine with him. He wants that communion. He wants that relationship with us. And if we do not have that relationship with him, we cannot love others and we cannot fulfill his commands. Uh, so let's look at, you know, verses 4 through 8 in 1 Corinthians 13. And let's look at what love is and what love does. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. So love is the key ingredient. It's not secret because he tells us he first loved us. So this isn't some secret ingredient, but it's certainly an ingredient that we have probably overlooked in our lives and not paid much attention to. It's got to become the main ingredient in our lives as believers as we walk before him. So that is what we want to do. So keep an eye on these, these three scriptures 
knowing that if we do not have love, he will tell us, depart from me, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness, even though we did things in his name, cast out demons and prophesied in his name and um, did all manner of, of, of good things, you know, and done many wonders in your name. And he'll declare it to us, depart from me, I didn't know you, you who practice lawlessness. We, lawlessness. we don't want to hear those words. So in order for us not to hear those words, since he first loved us, allow his love to continue in our lives, okay, by the faith that he authors and perfects, and from the answer of the tongue that is from him, and from the steps that we walk that are directed by him. Let his Holy Spirit dwell within us, guide us, and direct us every day, in order so that we can love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself. And that way, when we get to the day of judgment, he'll say, welcome thy good and faithful servant. Welcome into my kingdom. So until then, study to show thyself a workman approved. <laughs>